welcome to Impact AI, brought to you by Pixel Science Yale Labs. I'm your host, Heather Couture. On this podcast, I interview innovators and entrepreneurs about building a mission-driven, machine-learning-powered company. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to my newsletter to be notified about new episodes. Plus, follow the latest research in computer vision for people in planetary health. You can sign up at pixelscientia.com newsletter. Today, I'm joined by guest Joe Brew, co-founder and CEO of Hive, to talk about detecting and tracking coughing. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, Heather. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Joe, could you share a bit about your background and how that led you to create Hive? Yeah, absolutely. My background is in global health, uh, largely working in infectious disease. So I did my PhD in malaria research in Mozambique. I had worked previously at the Florida Department of Health in infectious disease surveillance, so syndromic surveillance. And I've always been interested in you know the movement of pathogens through through our bodies and through our communities, right? And after my PhD, I discovered tuberculosis, this large respiratory pandemic that's been around for far longer than COVID, which brought me to work in Nepal and rural Nepal, where we were using drones to fly around sputum samples to increase case finding. And, and I was at the crossroads of the kind of these big problems with global health. And at the same time, the kind of cutting edge of tech, right? So flying drones was was pretty cool and pretty fun and it's flashy. And it made me realize that, man, there's so many global health problems that are addressable, at least partially by tech. I hesitate to say solvable, but addressable. And oftentimes the best tech, the most innovative, cool, advanced machine learning algorithms, for example, being built are not for the purpose of solving these problems. And it was frustrating to me to see how much energy was going into, for example, image processing for the purposes of identifying your friends in a group party picture on social networks and how little was going into, for example, diagnostics, right? And so Hyfe was founded kind of out of that frustration that, man, we there's so much good tech and there's so many good tools, especially with, with AI and machine learning. Why are we not using them more for some of these really big problems? And, and the really big problem that Hyfe is tackling is, is around respiratory health. And what does Hyfe do with respiratory health and, and why is this important overall for healthcare? Yeah, so Hyfe is a cough company, right? Where we're 100% focused on cough. And, and we've gone through a few different hats in our past and we've looked at the acoustic soundscape and lung sounds more generally. We've narrowed down on cough. And the reason why is because there's just so much to do with cough and it's already so neglected. So like, Think of your own experience. I am almost certain you have been to the doctor for a cough because almost everybody has because it's the world's most prevalent symptom in primary care. People show up to the doctor and they have a cough. And were it any other symptom, the doctor would poke and prod you and quantify that symptom, right? If you show up to the doctor with a fever, they don't just ask you, how does your temperature feel? They, they stick a thermometer in you and they measure your temperature, right? And if you show up with, let's say, some sort of complication from, from diabetes, they're going to measure your blood glucose. And if you show up with, a, let's say, a, a blood pressure issue because you've got hypertension, they're going to put a cuff on you and they're going to measure it. But with cough, it's a really strange interaction. You tell your doctor they have a cough. They don't usually bother listening to you. They kind of ask you, how bad is your cough? 
or how much are you coughing? You have no idea how to answer that. Then they treat you based on this kind of imperfect information. And then the treatment effects, they monitor by, again, asking you like, so how's it going now? And so it's it's super medieval, right? And so it felt to us that cough is perhaps the lowest hanging fruit, the area where the additionality of tech is greatest because it's so prevalent and because it's currently the just the, the status quo is so poor. So what Hyfe does is we take an input, which is sound, and we generate an output, which is meaningful information about your respiratory health. And we do that using purely cough. And our main focus is on cough counts, right? And there's a lot you can do with cough. I mean, you can analyze the acoustic characteristics of a cough and even begin to diagnose or screen based on those characteristics. But prior to that, there's an even simpler problem, which is just counting your cough, knowing how much and when you are coughing, right? Just generating cough frequency data is something that's never really before been seen in medicine and provokes zero skepticism from the medical establishment. Everybody recognizes that it's useful and is actually fairly, I don't want to say simple because it's it's not, we work a lot on it, but it's straightforward what to do. We want to identify coughs in a continuous stream of audio and then timestamp those coughs. And that's what Hype does. We count coughs from sound. So what role does machine learning play in this technology? I mean, it's machine learning and signal processing all the way down. We take this continuous input of audio from your device. It can be your phone or wearable or one of the wearables we build. And then we use signal processing techniques to identify explosive events, right? The onsets of loud sounds, because cough is characteristically explosive. And that allows us to eliminate most of the audio. We don't have to do heavy lifting, a lot of processing on, you know, let's say your quiet conversation or your sleep or, you know, the gentle breeze blowing through an open window. What we do instead is using signal processing, identify these peaks, these explosive moments. And then those explosive moments after they're identified, we chop uh, 0.5 second audio snippets, which then get passed to a machine learning model, a classifier, a convolutional neural network, which has been trained on, on you know many hundreds of thousands, millions of cough versus non-cough samples. And then depending on that half second of audio, that half second, by the way, is, is long enough to you know, give enough information to see if it's a cough or not, but not so long that it captures any important identifiable private information, may classifies it as cough or not. And then based on that classification, we are able to timestamp the cough. And then we use further machine learning models to process those timestamps, right? To process that longitudinal time series data to predict health outcomes. And we do machine learning on the acoustic characteristics of the cough as well. So, you know, we convert the cough to a Mel spectrogram, which is a visual representation of sound. And then we can use basically image classification techniques so as to see whether you have a certain disease or are likely to have a certain outcome. And you can think of this, you know, when you go to a a doctor, you know, with a potential disease, they will look for, let's say, a chemical signature of that disease using an assay or a urine test or a you know, a, a nose swab or a visual signature. If it's a radiologist, they'll look at your x-ray. And so acoustic characteristics correlate with diseases and with outcomes. And so there's this budding field of acoustic epidemiology, which is looking at this. Anybody who's ever diagnosed a pertussis case, right? Whooping cough knows that sound is important, but it's a cool new field where people are looking and, and finding that 
even diseases such as COVID-19 or tuberculosis, those diseases also have an acoustic signature. And it so happens that we have such a large database of cough sounds that we're able to kind of harvest this data to try to find that acoustic signature, that acoustic fingerprint, if you will, of different diseases. So you mentioned you've got a million or so examples of cough and no cough. How do you go about gathering those examples and annotating them in order to train your models? Yeah, so we've actually got northwards of 700 million, I think. <laughs> and, and it's the point of diminishing returns, right? At some point, quality begins to matter more than quantity. For the annotations, which distinguish between cough and not cough, what you need is trained human listeners to process continuous audio and say, hey, that was a cough versus no, that was a throat clear or a sneeze or a hiccup or what have you, right? And we do that at scale and we have a pretty robust system where we're using you know, trained human labelers, two independent labelers listen, they're blinded to each other. When they agree, we consider, hey, that's good ground truth. When they disagree, that gets elevated to a PhD MD expert who can then disambiguate, was that a cough or was that a throat clear, right? And then that, that leads to these many millions of samples that we can train for our cough versus not cough classifier. And then for the other kinds of annotations, we look at medical information, right? So this is, okay, We here's a thousand coughs, but who are these coughs from? This is a cough from a 29-year-old, HIV negative, pregnant, tuberculosis positive female versus a 64-year-old male with GERD, right? And for this, it's really important that we get reliable data. And solicited patient-provided data is often not reliable, particularly when it comes to medical diagnoses. So for this kind of data, what we do is partner with our those who are using hyphen research studies, and we have a kind of symbiotic relationship with them, wherein they use our technology, and in exchange, we often get access to some of their anonymized data. So we can say, hey, patient one, two, three is COVID-19 positive as of this date. And that allows us, of course, to build a classifier which can hear or identify the acoustic fingerprint of COVID-19. And this is it's important to emphasize that this is kind of a different route than many in the space have taken. There's a lot of projects out there for crowdsourcing this kind of thing, right? Please donate your cough to science or to our company. And people go to a web form and fill things out. And that's great for building prototypes. But if you really want reliable medical grade annotations, you need reliable medical grade input, right? Garbage in, garbage out. And that's why the only way to really do that is through partnerships with medical professionals. What kinds of challenges do you encounter in working with and training models on this audio data? Yeah, audio is tricky. And I think that's one of the reasons why image and text more recently has gotten a lot more attention, right? So you think of a general stream of audio, oftentimes we sample at 44,100 you know, samples per second. And what that means is you just get a bunch of numbers, right? And it's not always straightforward what methods are best for audio. Whereas I feel like image processing has really matured in the last few years. Audio is still a little bit of the wild west. In addition, you know, because we often use phones as our primary source of data, what this means is we're dealing with different microphones, different on-device processes, such as like, let's say, high-pass filters, many phones are optimized for human speech. And a cough is, is often at a higher frequency than human speech. And are also optimized for data efficiency, which means even differences in sample rate 
And then, of course, there's the acoustics of the coffer, right? I mean, I'm sure you know people of different sizes and statures and and backgrounds and ages and sexes. And this leads to radically different ways that people cough. And then there's also the acoustics of the environment, right? So coughing in your car with the window open, uh, that's a very different challenge to solve than coughing in a quiet office or at a, let's say, rock and roll concert or discotheque, right? So the challenges are there. And cough detection is a very easy problem to solve if you do it in a very pristine, sanitized environment, like a, a bedroom at night when people are sleeping. And it becomes a very hard problem to solve when you're looking at the other 16 hours of day when people take devices out into the wild and live their normal life, right? So, so our challenges are around largely the acoustic environment, the acoustic differences between coffers, and then, of course, the wide diversity, especially in Android, of just what uh, manufacturers do with audio prior to it actually getting to the CPU. So then how do you ensure that your models perform well in a variety of environments, like, like some of the background noise situations that you mentioned, and that they yeah. continue to perform well over time? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I particularly, we made this wonderful mistake when we started in 2020, which was to go to market. So to be public and free on the App Store and Google Play and stuff, to go to market extremely quickly, right? We had a kind of unfinished, rough around the edges, half-baked product. We had a mediocre classifier. Our peak detection was a little too sensitive. You know, I remember early reports of people's phones heating up or them getting 10,000 false positives in a day. I mean, we went to market prematurely. But what that meant is that we were able to collect data from the real world very quickly. And it's that feedback loop of having something, collecting data with it, and then using that data to improve, which allows us to really, really quickly iterate and improve the models, right? As opposed to trying to perfect something before you ship in a laboratory somewhere, in which case you can you can tweak out that AUC of 0.999, and then you go to the real world and it falls apart. We went to the real world early and expectedly fell apart, but but we harvested so much data so quickly that we were able to, to improve really quickly. So what that means is that our cough samples and our non-cough samples are reflective of our users, our tens of thousands of users out there ranging from, say, you know, Malaysian taxi drivers to Russian grandmothers to, you know, French, I don't know, bicycle mechanics, right? It's it's everything. And it's all of their acoustic environments and how they get to and from work and their households and their workplaces and their their unique, you know, lung sets. And so what that has allowed us to do is build models that work well in the real world. We're constantly labeling data from the real world. We have tweaked our agreements with users so that people can opt in to help us improve these models. So, so if you're a general user, we don't you know, hear any of your audio. But if you opt in to help us, then we're able to listen to some of your audio so as to improve our models. And that allowed us to get really good accuracy in that first year. And it allows us to continue to improve our accuracy now. And that's not just diversity of people. It's also diversity of platforms and microphone types and stuff. That, you know, As we get more people, we train and we're constantly retraining models. I mean, every week we ship a new classifier. And the incremental marginal increases in performance in those classifiers is really small. But it's taking into account these new people that have joined our community and their unique characteristics. 
So that's keeping us up to date with the real world. And it's a method that if I were to start another company or to do another project, I would absolutely repeat is to go quickly to the market, start collecting data, real world data really quickly and, and build a feedback loop where you're constantly training, testing, validating on real world data. Yeah, that feedback loop to enable you to collect the diverse data, I certainly understand why that's essential. So your team has published a number of research articles. What benefits have you seen from publishing your work? Yeah, we are very much a science-first organization and a science-driven organization. We're, you know, We are largely scientists, research backgrounds, and we want to be part of the scientific conversation. It doesn't mean that scientific outputs like research articles are our primary driver. We're not academics, but we think that you know, we don't want to be one of those groups that is doing kind of AI in a black box or behind the curtain, trying to leapfrog, you know, traditional science. We, we want to work with the scientists and with medical and cough, particularly, there's so much to be done that needs to necessarily go through, through scientists, researchers, and medical professionals, right? So we have tried to be part of that conversation. And part of that means publishing papers ourselves on, you know, for example, our annotation methods or on our validation trials, specific disease types, methodology for actually counting cough, methodology for classifying or diagnosing or screening based on cough characteristics. But more importantly, we partner with scientific researchers who are doing this on their own and we give them you know, technical support. Sometimes we come into service contracts and they use our devices or our algorithms. And this means that we're able to kind of scale or, or rapidly accelerate the scientific work in this area without us doing it all ourselves, right? And so there's a kind of symbiosis between new tech, or in this case, a novel biomarker like cough and cutting edge science. And, and we don't need to be first authors of papers in order for that symbiosis to happen. In fact, we prefer to take a back seat and, and let the scientists do which, what they do best, which is come up with novel hypotheses and, and test these. And if, as just an, a concrete example of this, you know, we we put Hyph on running on Android phones at the bedside of, I think it was 110 COVID-19 infected individuals, hospitalized individuals at the Emerging Pathogens Institute at the University of Florida. And they just looked at cough trends, right? How much these people were coughing during their hospitalization. And they found that a decrease in cough led to, or was a leading indicator of a negative outcome, like intubation or death. And this was the first time anybody had ever seen something like this. And then they reproduced a different group, reproduced, replicated the study in Montreal, Canada, and found the same kind of thing. And so it was like, it was really exciting for us to be part of that conversation to see once you start measuring something, then you can build a body of evidence. I mean, these are still early days, but that evidence will eventually get translated into kind of clinical practice and best practice around managing cough amongst those with disease, infectious or not. And we could never do all of this on our own, right? We're a small company, we're a startup, but a lot of scientists out there are working in respiratory and have, have patients with real problems and are super excited to be able to quantify those patients' symptoms for the first time ever. So we want to work with those scientists and we want them to get really impactful cutting edge publications because of course it's good for us, but it's also good for them. And it keeps us, you know, focused. I mean, so why are we out there publishing work at all? It keeps us focused. I mean, in addition to signaling credibility and hey, we're here and we're doing cool stuff. It keeps us focused on what really matters, right? Because sometimes we have cool ideas. Oh, what if we did this? What if we did that? And then a scientist 
or a researcher will come back and say, yeah, but that doesn't really matter for my use case, right? In the clinic, I'm looking at this, or I, I only can use something if it comes this way, or it has to be regulated if you're going to do that, but I can use something unregulated for this. And, and so by engaging with scientists, clinicians, researchers, practitioners directly and regularly, it keeps us building products that are relevant to them and not building products which we think might be a good idea, but probably aren't. Why is now the right time to build this technology? Clearly, there's the need for it in healthcare, but are there any specific technological advances that made it possible to do this now when it wouldn't have been feasible a few years ago? Yeah, great question. And I think this is no credit to ourselves, but now is absolutely the best time to be building an acoustic AI. I mean, Hyfe would have been un, unimaginable or unfeasible 15 years ago, right? Because the smartphone came along. And what that means is that almost all of us all the time take microphones with us everywhere we go. And that microphone is connected to a, a pretty powerful computer on your device itself and is also often also internet connected. And I mean, I like I said, I'm in I'm in rural Guatemala right now, which is a lower middle income country. And, you know, I go out on a run in the woods somewhere and there's a guy carrying firewood on his back and he's got an, a cheap Android, you know, a smartphone with a microphone. And so the ability to scale to the billions of people who are at risk of respiratory disease without having to build billions of devices, is it's just there. The device is already in people's hands and in their pockets and in their purses. And it's just such a cool time to be building software for that device because of the scalability question. And then another thing that makes now such a great time is there's this kind of renaissance in ML and AI and signal processing that's, I mean, we, we've all seen it, especially this year. There's just a lot of really cool methods coming out there and a lot of really cool ways to process data. And it's fun to have enough data to, to actually build, build stuff. So, you know, our flagship model is Allison. We call her Allison because she's always listening, Allison. And then that's the cough counting algorithm. But we're building a series of other algorithms that are pretty advanced, you know, looking at whether you can identify what kind of disease somebody has or what kind of outcome they might have or whether they're going to have an exacerbation or some sort of episode based on things like time series data and acoustic data. And a lot of this, you just simply couldn't fathom, you know, 20 years ago. And now it's these models are out there and oftentimes open academic models that that you can take and, and begin to prototype and experiment with and see what's feasible and not. And what we're finding is that if you got enough data and it's well curated, high quality data, you can do a whole lot with machine learning right now, predicting outcomes, predicting episodes, screening for disease, and of course, symptoms monitoring. So it's a great time to be in acoustic AI and it's a great time to be looking at cough. Thinking more broadly about what you set out to accomplish with Hive, how do you measure the impact of your technology to be sure that you're on track for following through with those goals? Yeah, you know, there's two ways, I guess. The kind of qualitative way is, and this is the one that, of course, touches the heartstrings the most, is just talking to users, right? And talking to people who are trying to wrap their lives around the conditions they have and Hive. We found, for example, that, and this was a surprise to us, that our you know real bastion of support comes from chronic coughers, people with refractory or unexplained chronic cough. Somewhere between five and ten percent of adults have chronic cough, and this is you know the, the what this means is is that 
there's not an underlying disease that's causing the cough. It's that oftentimes cough itself is the disease. There's a hypersensitivity in the larynx, which causes cough and more coughing irritates the throat even more. And it's this kind of vicious cycle. And you can think, oh, well, you're coughing too much. Big deal. It, it is a very big deal, right? It can cause all sorts of secondary issues. And it causes, I mean, just huge quality of life issues. You know, we've heard of people who suffer urinary incontinence due to cough. They can't go to their kid's piano recital. They can't go out to eat, right? They get bad looks, especially in the era of COVID, anytime they're in public. Chronic cough is a really big deal. And so it's been really reaffirming to hear stories from chronic coughers who are able to quantify their cough for the first time, show to their doctors for the first time the magnitude of the problem, and also begin to enter into that positive cycle, you know, the virtuous cycle of kind of self-experimentation, right? People quantify their cough and then they realize that, hey, you know what? After I eat something cold, I'm coughing more. Maybe I'm not going to eat that cold thing right before, you know, I go to the movie theater. Or, you know, when I turned off the fan in my room, I coughed less and maybe uh, that's going to help me with whatever. So once you give people a tool, they kind of figure things out on their own. And that goes for both scientific researchers, but also just individual kind of consumer users. And so that's been really cool feedback. And it's, it's really affirmative and really kind of motivating to hear from people who are using hype and it's actually making their life better. Right. But, but, you know, our aim is not just to get you know nice comments on on the app store or, or nice emails it's it's to impact the lives of millions you know everybody who breathes has lungs and everybody with lungs coughs and so so we think cough tracking is for everybody and we want it to be of course out there for chronic coughers we want it to be out there with infectious disease and one of the areas that we work very actively on is is infectious disease like tuberculosis because of the huge burden of disease. I mean, it's somewhere between a half million and a million deaths per year due to TB. And the huge role that cough tracking could have in tuberculosis screening and management. So TB is notoriously underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed. And even once correctly diagnosed, you've got a six-month course of chemotherapy to follow once you've been diagnosed with TB. And oftentimes, those patients are not because the, most TB patients are in the developing world, they're often not carefully watched over. So there's a huge opportunity for remote patient monitoring with tuberculosis and cough to make sure that patients are getting better, to make sure that their symptoms are not getting worse, and to monitor unobtrusively. Um, so one of the impacts we you know, have our eyes on is how to get uh, cough monitoring in the devices, on the devices of those with tuberculosis, either, either prior to diagnosis during screening and massive screening programs at scale, or after diagnosis for remote patient monitoring. Is there any advice you could offer to other leaders of AF-powered startups? Yeah, lots. I think it's awesome and really exciting that we're in this moment of energy and momentum around AI. So if you're embarking on that journey, go for it. I really think that AI and, and ML offer so much and there's just a ton to do there and we're at the cusp of really cool things, right? I think they were really at that point between the before and after in human history of, of AI and that's that's really cool. I guess my one piece of specific advice would be don't be turned off by problems that appear simple. Sometimes the simplest problems are the ones that are the most important to solve. You know, malaria is a good example of a very simple problem a disease which we know how to prevent 
diagnose and treat, and yet it kills hundreds of thousands of people per year. And cough is another one. Cough is extremely simple, right? We all know what it is, and we all know that it correlates to sickness, but it deserves a lot of attention. So there's a temptation with NAI and ML to try to solve the hardest problems first because it's this paradigm shift and, wow, maybe we can solve this thing which was never solved before. But I think if, if your goal is impact, and, and my goal is impact, and I think Hype's goal is impact, sometimes it's worth looking at what are the biggest problems first, regardless of the degree of complexity, and then seeing if ML, AI, tech in general have a place there. And, and my suspicion, confirmed by our journey building Hype, is that there's a lot you can do on some of these quote-unquote simple big problems. The, the big problem of cough is one of them, but there are so many more out there. And finally, where do you see the impact of Hyphen in three to five years? Yeah, I'm really optimistic on the future of cough counting. And, you know, selfishly, I hope, sorry for the fireworks, selfishly, I hope that Hyph will be the leader in, in cough quantification and in cough analysis in three to five years. But even if we're not, I'm, I'm sure that cough counting is coming, right? In the same way that step counting is now everywhere. It's very normal to say, hey, I hit my 10,000 steps today or something like this. I think that in, in three years, it'll be very normal to say, oh, my man, my cough frequency has gone from 50 to 200 an hour. Maybe I need to go back to the doctor or maybe I'm coming down with something. You know, I coughed 20 times last night. That, that's abnormal now. It won't be. It won't be. I think very soon that will be a, a very normal thing. And I also think with all those coughs that, that we're collecting, it will be increasingly normal to screen and diagnose for disease conditions outcomes based on cough data. You know, the, I have a vision of, let's say, that worried mother in Bangladesh or India who has a child with a cough and infant to be able to take out her smartphone and get an immediate risk score for, for something like pertussis. That's life-saving diagnosis there. But there's so many other cases for chronic coughers who've been neglected for for decades to those who suffer from asthma or COPD or congestive heart failure to infectious diseases that we're finding through some of our research partners, which are not kind of traditionally associated with cough. You know, once you actually start paying attention, you see that they do actually have high rates of cough. And so I think we're going to see it first in research and we're already seeing that in the publications and such. Next, we're going to see it out there in the wellness and the consumer space, you know, people more increasingly counting their own coughs as an indicator of health, wellness. And then finally, we're going to see it with screening and diagnosis. And this is probably closer to five years than three because of the regulatory complexity. But I think in a few years, it'll be very normal to get a notification on your phone or smartwatch or your home speaker that says, hey, the acoustic characteristics of your cough are consistent with, let's say, lung cancer. Maybe it's time for a screening or something like this. And I'm really optimistic and hopeful for that world because it's a paradigm shift in terms of not waiting for people to realize that they're sick before they seek medical care or diagnosis, but instead to help people along that journey and therefore diagnose more and, and more early. And the, those two things will, will ultimately lead to reductions in morbidity and mortality. And that's Hype's goal. This has been great. Joe, your team at Hype is doing some fascinating work for respiratory illnesses. I expect that the insights you've shared will be valuable to other AI companies. Where can people find out more about you online? Look us up at hyfe.ai. That's H-Y-F-E dot A-I. 
and you know just look up cough tracking cough counting cough frequency and you'll you'll find us in a lot of academic publications too and i encourage you to read those papers because i think that's you know it's brand new science and it's really exciting and i want to always give as much credit to our research partners as possible because they're really you know on the vanguard of a lot of this stuff so so yeah cough tracking and height perfect thanks for joining me today yeah it was great heather thanks so much All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Heather Couture, and I hope you join me again next time for Impact AI. Thank you for listening to Impact AI. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. And if you'd like to learn more about computer vision applications for people and planetary health, you can sign up for my newsletter at pixelscientia.com slash newsletter.